Hello, this is IP Stories by 4IP Council, a podcast about innovation and intellectual property. Join us and you will hear about the journeys through invention, creation, and IP understanding of our guests. I'm Marta. And I'm Fernanda. And today we're happy to welcome to our podcast, Pascal Redich. Pascal, thank you so much for having this chat with us. First of all, could you tell our listeners about yourself and your career? Uh, thank you, uh, Marta and Fernanda, for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, of training, I'm a biologist. Um, I did my PhD at the University of uh, Antwerp and uh, did an additional master in molecular biology. After that, I took a postdoc position in a biotech company and did uh, very applied research and then uh, came back to the university where And somehow, in some way, I got into tech transfer. So it was not intentionally. It happened all quite by accident. Uh, I uh, started together with two colleagues at the University of Ghent. We started uh, the tech transfer office. And uh, later on, I repeated uh, this exercise at the University of Antwerp, where I started again uh, the tech transfer office. Uh, when I was working in Antwerp, I had a lot of contact with the pharmaceutical company, uh, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, and uh, in that way got connected to the people there, and they were looking for somebody to negotiate contracts with academia, and so I switched sides, uh, and I, I went to work there for, I think, about uh, uh, eight years, but then, yeah, My first love, the university, it became very strong again. So I went back to Leuven, which is one of the um, main, uh, one of the biggest tech transfer office on the European mainland. And now I'm there uh, working as a senior IP officer. Thank you, Pascal. Um, so I'm very curious, um, after studying biology, what attracted you to IP? Well, it's... Uh, It's difficult to say because it was uh, not an uh, not an active choice to to become a, a tech transfer officer, but somehow once I got started doing it, I felt that this was really uh, what I was good in, and I, I wanted to keep on doing it. So it was not an active choice. There was no training at the university for this. In our university at this moment, in the doctoral schools, the all students get trained uh, in, 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 in IP and tech transfer. But uh, in my days, uh, this did not happen. But when I was uh, doing this postdoc position at this company, I did already very applied research. So for me, I was really interested in, in getting getting the research results into a product. So I think that was a bit uh, the underlying motivation to uh, start a career in tech transfer. Great. So um, as IP officer at QU11, um, research and development, what do you think should be the roles of IP in universities? I think uh, it's an there is an important role for IP in universities because if you really want to create an impact with your research results, you have to protect, in many sectors, you have to protect your IP. Otherwise, it's not possible because the further development work uh, takes an investment of many millions. So you need hard IP to really come to a product. So I think it's it's an important point. It's not an easy uh, thing to do at the university because of course, 
your researchers are trained in a different way. Eh? So you really, it's really, yeah, not always an easy task to get IP protected. Yeah. Yes, I see. And um, I would like also to know, um, I'm curious to know, what uh, have you seen as the main misconceptions um, of researchers when it comes to IP? Well, they think it's either they protect their IP or they publish. Eh? And they think it's one or the other, but that's, a, mis that's a, a, a misconception. They also think when they do more applied research, the value of their publications is less. And that is also a misconception because there has been quite some research on that topic and it has proven that it is not. Eh? They believe if they do, uh, there are still some researchers uh, who believe if they work together with a company, that is research of a lesser value of a lesser quality. And that is really a misconception. So by training and by uh, showing and showcasing uh, successful collaborations, we can convince our researchers that there is a value in uh, protecting your IP and in working together with industry. Thank you for, for making that clear. Uh, I think that is a misconception. I've been working with IP for the last few years and I also believe that is a mis uh, misconception. I'm not in the, exactly in the field, but we can see sometimes when we have a chat with researchers that this is a, a struggle. The researchers are also trained in a different way. They are trained to disseminate. Eh? And if you want to protect your IP for a, a limited period, you cannot disseminate it. You have to keep it a secret. Eh? Otherwise, you lose the patent rights. Eh? You, you, the, not, not the patent rights, you lose the ability to apply for a patent. Eh? And that uh, needs some training uh, with, with the researchers. But uh, we are quite successful uh, at our university. So it's, yeah, it's all a matter of making uh, researchers aware and training them. Yeah, it's all about the mindset. Uh, I was wondering, what is, in your opinion, the main struggle of an inventor or researcher when having to integrate IP into their work process? Well, it's mainly the publication strategy. And so now they are in a habit of uh, publishing uh, immediately. As soon as they find something interesting, they want to publish it. They want to talk to their colleagues of other universities uh, on that topic. So that is something uh, that you have to train them to, to, that they should restrain themselves until mm -hmm. that they think they have enough results and then we can file a patent. And after that, of course, they are free to discuss. Uh, but for some time period, uh, they have to keep it to themselves. And also if they want to co-develop something with another university, we have to put the right agreements in place. Eh? So they, right. they can, they're still allowed or, or to make arrangements on how we will then file together for a, for a patent, etc. So it, they, they are used to have quite a lot of freedom and we ask them to, yeah, to work in a, in a somehow different way, but then afterwards, again, they have all the freedom they need. Absolutely. And I think uh, it's all about containing your excitement of sometimes discovering something new and wanting yeah. to put it out there. 
Yes, and especially with social media, eh? uh, you have certain groups who, who also want to put everything on 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 certain sites, etc. And they don't always see that as a publication, but it is a publication, and it can. And in this way, they can lose their uh, their potential to to file for patent rights. I understand that intellectual property plays a significant role, especially in the life sciences and biotechnology sectors. Could you tell our audience, in your own words, why IP is so crucial in these specific fields? I think in in life sciences and biotech, uh, the IP strategy is really uh, a very important step towards uh, valorization and it's it's uh, it's very important in the entire strategy of the company so it's really important to protect it because quite some heavy investments are needed to come from the original idea towards uh, a new drug eh, on the market so uh, i think ip there is the, is the primary driver uh, in in those sectors so it's important if the, if there is no ip they will not invest in it. They will not make this this million. Uh, uh, I don't know. For 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 example, a, a phase one study. It's I think it's around four million. A phase two study around twelve. A phase three around twenty million. So it it are really uh, large uh, amounts that need to be invested. They will not make that investment if they are not sure that they have for some period uh, the uh, exclusivity in the market. So if you want to collaborate with companies in that sector or you want your result in the end to end up in a new drug that can help the patients, you have to take the necessary measures uh, at the beginning of your research and try to protect whatever you can. Um, Pascal, I have another question for you. Um, so I would like to know, what do you see as the main benefits of fostering public-private collaborations within universities for the purpose of research and development? I think uh, it's really, uh, it it offers uh, opportunities to the university for additional research funds, opportunities to do a different type of research, a more applied research. It gives opportunities to create an impact. It's also very important for the students eh, that students get trained and they are already in contact with companies. They see how they work there. It's easier to make the, the, the transition towards a company. So I think by working together with industry, uh, you can create a, a special environment. Uh, you can create additional uh, choices and, and opportunities for the researchers. And what has been your experience collaborating and negotiating with the private sector? I think there's an important role uh, for the universities as regional innovators and to support local SMEs in their technological challenges. But also uh, SMEs are most difficult to negotiate with because they don't always have the in-house knowledge on IP and uh, it's not always easy to explain to them. So it, that that can be quite a challenge uh, sometimes to negotiate. It, it's easier with the larger companies because they have their legal departments, they understand the legal framework better. So it's easier to negotiate with them, but then always uh, the, the negotiation is, okay, we have something, 
you want to have it? How much are you going to give to us? Eh? How can we share in the potential success of a product? So that is always quite challenging to find uh, uh, a good uh, uh, arrangement that uh, if so they have all the opportunities to, to commercialize it, that we don't put a heavy burden on them so they won't be able to commercialize it but then if they're successful that there is still something coming back to us so that that is quite challenging and uh, and each sector has its own uh, way of working so what you do in the farm sector you cannot negotiate in, in let's say when it's it's electronics or it's it's material so yeah it's uh, quite uh, quite a challenge to, to do that uh, yeah um I would like to know as well, and this is more of a private question, um, also because you have such a unique profile. I would like to know throughout your career and life, what has been the biggest challenge that you had to face? The biggest challenge I had to face? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it, in the beginning, it was a bit strange because I was a scientist and I was always at the bench or, or in the field because in the end I did more uh, agricultural related research. And then to go to what in the end is a more, at, well, it's not, it's not an administrative function, but more, yeah, uh, completely different type of work. So in the beginning, that was a challenge, but uh, I think it's it's uh, it's very rewarding. Uh, it's really nice eh, when you uh, help create a new company, a new spin-off company, or you you help negotiate a big license deal, and you know that maybe eh, if everything goes well in in ten or fifteen years, there's a new drug that can help patients. I find it very rewarding uh, to be in a more applied way uh, of, of looking at, at research and, 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 and making your research work for the community. So that, I think, is a really, uh, for me, a rewarding, uh, the rewarding aspects of my job. Yeah. So I would just like to jump in and say that in 4 Council, we have a dedicated section to SMEs where we put easy to digest content about uh, intellectual property rights. We're going to leave a link uh, to the website and go ahead and access if you want to learn more about IP. You mentioned uh, a little bit of the administrative side of, of the job. And I was wondering why you were director of research and development with the Global Government Grants Office at Janssen Pharmaceutical how your negotiation skills helped you. Would you have any advice for our listeners? So at, at the end, I was a director in the Global Government Grant Office. That was an office within the J&J organization where uh, they applied for government funding grants. So that was always, not always, but in many cases together with academic partners. So what we then had to do is to negotiate agreements to come to an arrangement how together we would do that research and, uh, yeah, there is quite a different culture in a company and in a university, so it's not always easy. There are different expectations, and it's you need some uh, insights in that, and also some negotiation skills to uh, bring those expectations together and to make it move forward in a quick way. Eh? Because 
some some of the uh, negotiations can be quite lengthy. Uh, but yeah, you have the ground that you're under time pressure and you have to come to an agreement quite soon. So that uh, yeah, it needs quite some uh, some talking and some some negotiations to come to a successful project. Yeah, absolutely. And I think working uh, with a team, sometimes a legal team together with the researchers yeah. and everyone together, it could be uh, quite challenging. challenging yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is, yeah. Now, speaking a little bit about the future, what do you believe are the next challenges for the life and science fields in terms of IP policies? So I think what is quite uh, challenging for the future is this movement we see where um, they want um, equitable access to healthcare. So we understand that. And uh, now there is this movement that asks universities to negotiate that in their contracts. And I think that is a very difficult thing to do eh, because uh, you have to imagine eh, at our universities, we have our researchers, they make a new invention. It has the potential to become a new drug. We have to look for partners who believe in it the way we believe in it. It's not easy. It's not easy to partner with industry. When we then finally find the partner, we have to tell him, okay, you can have a license, but eh, you need equitable access and you cannot sell it for more than this and you cannot do this and you cannot do that. That's a very difficult position they are trying to put the universities in. We are already very lucky that we find a partner. If we, de- if it then is up to us to make sure that in the end there is a, uh, an equitable access to certain drugs, it, it, it is difficult. I think this is more uh, a task of the government to do so and not of the universities. Of course, what we often do in our agreements, depending on the type of, uh, of research and the type of drug we are developing, we do negotiate very often uh, access for people from uh, low and middle income countries that this should that this should be at really uh, a low price, etc. But to do that for, let's say, uh, Europe or the US, uh, that is very difficult for us to negotiate. It's almost impossible. So this, this is uh, something that is really a hot topic uh, at this moment. And yeah, we have to see Uh, how we can all uh, collaborate to make it happen, but to put this on the shoulders of the universities, I think that's going to be quite a challenge. Yes, that makes perfect sense. It it seems like a huge challenge, definitely. Um, I would like to know, um, because we are reaching the the end of the interview, um, although I still have a couple of questions in my sleep, um, I would like to know if there is like, like, one learning or a few things that you have learned from your career that you would like to share with new generations of researchers? I think it's very important to always keep an open mind and uh, to also try to understand um, the other side. Eh? Working together with uh, uh, the, the collaboration between industry and academia are two different cultures and it's important Uh, understand the issues at the other side and to see how you can then collaborate. It's easier to say no than to say yes and to make it happen. So my motto is always, I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to understand what what the problem is and how we can overcome it. 
And while there is still a win-win position for, for both parties, I think that has always been my motto to, to drive my, my projects forward. So I think uh, mm -hmm. keep an open mind, I think, that's, and see, see, look for opportunities for collaboration and uh, you'll get a reward afterwards, I think. Yes, I think that's a, a great message. Um, and finally, I would like to know if there is any project that you would like to share with us, anything that you are currently working on or at the university? I think this year we will have already three or uh, I think already four new spin-off companies. So we are really very active. So it's uh, we're really working hard to, to bring all that knowledge that's developed to the market. Uh, we are also currently discussing with some companies some very nice uh, deals to also br uh, turn our uh, technology into products. Uh, I cannot say too much about it because it's all still confidential. But uh, yeah, we're working hard and... Um, Once uh, the deal is, is, has been finalized, we, we usually make a, a press uh, release. So you, if you follow us, uh, you can uh, read all about our, our new uh, achievements. Yeah. Pascal, thank you so much for having this chat with us. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me and I really enjoyed it. Have a lovely day. Bye bye. 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 Thank you for listening to IP Stories by 4IP Council. Visit our website on 4IPCouncil.eu to find out more and check out the links mentioned during this episode. If you liked it, remember to share and subscribe.